Okay, Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness to this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was at Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you will divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourself. Within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Amen. You may be seated. You know, all of us have promises that we want to possess in our lives. And here, God speaks to Joshua, and he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Moses was a mighty man of God, but you know what? Moses ran his race, he obeyed God, he did what he was called to do, and the time came where he had to um, step aside, and uh, Joshua had to take his place. And here, three times, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, amen? And so, last week we looked at, the last week we were speaking, we looked at how God uh, told Joshua uh, to go into the, to the promised land. He was called to take the land. But you know what? Life is full of people who were called to do great things and didn't do them. And quite frankly, so are most graveyards. Let me read a, 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 a line from John Greenleaf Whittier. He was an American Quaker poet. For all sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. And, and you know, this really summarizes many people's lives. It might have been, they, they, you know, pastors, prophets, and politicians, entrepreneurs, business owners, men who might have married, women who might have accepted, destinies that might have been birthed, dreams that might have lived, all but for lack of courage. But you know, this series isn't about dwelling on our failures or mistakes or shortcomings, but rather, it's about us going the extra mile and taking the step of faith and, you know, you know if necessary, starting again. And, um, you know, George Eliot said this, it's never too late to be what you might have been. And I think it's so important to remind yourself of that. You know, it's never too late to be the man or woman of God that you might have been. Because that's what the devil says, well, you know, it's too late now. You might as well just continue on the pathway you're on. No, it's never too late. You know, the first word Jesus gave to the world was repent and believe the gospel. Repent simply means turn. 
And so the call of God is given to every one of us on a daily basis to turn from our sin and turn to Christ. And I know some of you today may feel that you're disqualified or that your boat has sailed or that it's too late. No, it is not. Not with God because he is a redeemer. He can forgive your sins. He can stop your backsliding. He can heal your broken heart. And this is why we must be courageous. Amen. If we wanted to defy the odds and fulfill God's call on our lives, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil to give you hope in a future. Wonderful. God has a plan. But so does the devil. John 10, 10. Satan comes to rob, to kill, to destroy. So, you know, it's, it's important we're not under any illusions. You know, sadly, our society is full of the debris of, of shattered marriages, homes, hopes, and dreams. You know, it breaks my heart to think of, of the people who die before their time. Sadly, some of them even taking their lives, you know, in, in despair. But you know what? I believe God has placed us in a boxing stadium for a reason. We're called to fight the good fight of faith. Amen? How many of you believe that? 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you're also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So I don't know about you, but I'm not playing games. I take this deadly seriously because we are fighting for eternal souls and we're not just fighting for our own destiny, but for the destiny of our children and our children's children. I believe we are fighting for the heart and soul of this very nation. Amen? You know, this week, like I said, we had a vote to expel the ambassador of Israel um, uh, from this nation. But you know, I am determined that Ireland is not going to be a goat nation because I believe in the end days there will be goat nations and there will be sheep nations. But you know what? I believe if we can press in in prayer and if we will stand for righteousness, you know, our nation can be a, a, a sheep nation. But in order to do that, our attitude has to change. Nehemiah 4.14. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, do not be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. You see, we must fight for our freedom and not surrender it to the radical left just because they become loud in, in, in promoting what they want to push, amen? I, I, you know, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let me say this. This is a day where as the church, we must not be ashamed because I see so many believers tiptoeing around afraid that they might, you know, insult or, or, or offend somebody, you know, offended about what the, you know, Christians who are embarrassed about what the Bible says about marriage or about sexuality or about morality. No, this is a day where we have to stop apologizing for what we believe and walk in the light as he is in the light. Come on, somebody say amen. So you see, we're not playing games because the devil isn't. First Peter 5, 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Turn to your neighbor say, he can't devour me. He can't devour my family in Jesus' name. 
Jude 3 says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. This is a time where we must earnestly contend for the faith. You see, Joshua was called to take the land, but to do this, he first had to leave all that was safe and familiar in order to step into his God-ordained destiny. Amen, because let me say this, it's only the courageous who are willing to embrace the change necessary to possess the promises. Hey, you know, we all want to possess the promises, but nobody wants to pay the price. You have to be courageous if you want to possess the promises of God in your life. Amen, because you can have your destiny, but not without change, and change is painful. Because let's be honest, we all like our own familiar little routines, but it's time to ditch them, amen. It's time for us to take the land. It's time for revival, and in order to do that, we have to change, because new wine needs new wineskins, amen. So turn to we say, pour it out. Lord in Jesus name pour it out Lord I'm ready hallelujah you see courage isn't the absence of fear but the presence of faith you know it's like a, a lady in this church a couple of weeks ago she told me she didn't like her job it was giving her stress so she quit and applied for a better paid job and she got it and now she has a higher position no stress along with a well-deserved holiday how many of you know that sounds good doesn't it amen thank you Jesus but how many of you know it takes courage to let go of good because you want great? Courage to say, no, that's not what I want. And I know that's not a very Irish thing, but you know what, I believe some of us need to get to that place where we say, you know what, that's not what I want. That's not what God promised me, amen? Hallelujah, I'm not set, settling for, for second best. Because if you allow others to frame your world, they will always frame it far too small. You know, I took myself seriously 25 years ago, um, uh, you know, when I, uh, I came to the city 30 years ago, but, but you know what, I, I took myself seriously when nobody else did. You know, the only congregation I had 25 years ago was when I was standing on the street preaching and, you know, the, the vast numbers of people walking by, that was the only congregation I had. When we started this church in 07, it was the same thing. If I ever wanted a crowd, I had to go to the street because nobody was coming to the church. We had like three or four people. You know, many laughed at me. And I remember many times, you know, in that little room we were in when we started, there was a, uh, we were renting a hotel room and there was a little glass window and people had to walk by to go to the toilet. And so many times I would be there preaching my heart out and people would be looking in and laughing, you know, and um, But you know what if you want to obey God you have to have courage You need to get over the fear of what people might think of you, you know When I used to stand on the street preaching many people used to laugh at me as they walked by But I dared to dream of what God could do in this city and here we are today we're here today because God answers prayer. God causes dreams to come to pass. He breathes life on those dry bones, amen? Hallelujah. We're gonna see a revival, and let me just say this. We're sitting here in a stadium, and I know there's many empty, empty seats, but I encourage you, come in early and start to pray. Start to pray that God's gonna start filling those seats, because every one of those seats has a number, and I believe it's representative of an eternal soul that God is gonna reach. You know, late last night I was reading um, uh, John Wesley's uh, autobiography, and his father uh, was dying, and one of the last things he did was he laid hands on his son Charles, and he said, you know, 
I know there's not a lot happening spiritually now, but I believe Christianity will be great again in this nation. He, he didn't see it in his life. He said, I'm not going to see it in my life, but I believe you're going to see it in yours. And his two sons, Charles and John Wesley, they shook uh, Great Britain, and hundreds of thousands of people received Jesus Christ in a very short time. So what I'm going to say is we're here because we have vision. We, have a, we dare to dream. We dare to believe. We dare to believe God can do something great right here in Dublin in Jesus' name. Come on, give a shout of praise if you believe it. Thank you, Jesus. You see, we need to be courageous because you know, some of you have suffered rejection and you think that it was somehow your fault and you don't realize that God looked at your situation and he said, child, you can do better. Amen, hallelujah. Joshua 1 verse nine, God commanded Joshua be strong and of good courage because the difference between a possession and a promise is courage. You see, many people have a, pre a promise, but not as many have possession. And I believe the difference between a promise and a possession, it's courage. You know, many want to take the land, like I said, but, but very few want to pay the price. So it's time for courage and conviction. Courage to step onto the battlefield and conviction to stay there till you win. Amen. Declare it today. I'm staying here till I win in the name of Jesus. I'm going to win. Hallelujah. You're called to win. That's what God said to Joshua. Amen. You, you, you are, be strong and courageous. You will take the land because you can't have opportunity without opposition and danger. Amen. You can't have it. There's no way you can have opportunity without opposition. You know, destiny or safety, the choice is yours. And that's why there's so many poor souls who spend 40 years working at a job that they hate. Amen? Like the man at the pool of Bethesda, sitting there for 38 years, waiting for somebody to notice him and put him into the pool. No, don't wait on others. Jump in yourself in the name of Jesus. And if you can't jump, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. But get in there and take what God has for you. Refuse to leave till you get what you want. Thomas Aquinas said this, if the highest aim of a captain were to preserve his ship, he would keep it in port forever. And that describes the way some people live their lives. And in many ways, it describes the way we've been kind of brainwashed over this last year through the media to think that safety is somehow the highest virtue. You know, you can never win without some risk. Okay? I mean, the safest thing we could do as a church is stay closed for the next 10 years. But that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to preach the gospel. I mean, we're called to worship God. Come on, what is it about? You can spend your life obsessed with safety and eventually you're gonna die anyway. What was it about? I wanna live for God. I wanna live for God. I wanna live for his purposes. I wanna live a courageous life. How many of you agree with me in Jesus' name? Thank you, Father. You see, safety isn't our priority, obedience is. I'm not talking about being reckless, but I'm talking about being obedient. What the disciples did was utterly reckless. Taking the gospel to a lost and an unsaved world where they were faced beatings, persecution, criticism, attack, or many of them were martyred. But you know what? They faced that because their priority was not safety, it was obedience. And some of you need to ask that question of yourself. What is my priority in my life? What is my focus in my life? 
Jesus said, what does the profit of man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? This city is full of people who do not know Jesus Christ. This nation is full of people. You know, one of the things that really struck me last night was, you know, uh, Wesley and Whitfield and these guys, they were desperately trying to connect with God and they were fasting, they were praying, they were seeking God and they were doing everything to the point where they were, you know, they suffered tremendous derision, you know, uh, you know in Oxford and these other places where they were, they were, you know, written off as religious nuts, etc. but they were trying to connect with God, but they thought you were saved through baptism, they thought you were saved through prayer, through being good, through living holy, and, and when you read it and you see the struggle they had to go through to come to a place of simply understanding that salvation is by faith, and yet we've been just giving it to us on a plate. When they got that revelation, they went out and they shook their world. You know what? I believe God wants us again to come back and appreciate and remember. You know what? Thank God I'm saved. Thank God my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank God my sins have been washed away in the blood of Jesus. Could somebody say, thank you, Lord. I'm glad to be saved. I'm glad that Jesus is my Lord. I'm glad that I don't have to fear death. And when you don't fear death, you don't have to fear life. Glory to Jesus. You can live courageous when you know that you are saved. Thank you, Jesus. Safety isn't our priority, obedience is. Because ultimately, a grave is a safe place. But it's not a very satisfying place. And that's why Christ called Lazarus out of the tomb. John chapter 11, verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, uh, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he's been dead four days. You know, that's the amazing thing about the Lord is he comes and we, we, we like to kind of cover up our stench. We, all of us have stinky things that happened in our lives, areas where we failed or areas where we were hurt. And many times all we do is we just block it up and we walk away and pretend it's not there, but we know it stinks. But Jesus comes and he's not satisfied with us having these kind of facades and uh, us wearing a mask. He says, come on, child, let's deal with this, amen? And sometimes it takes courage to deal with some of the issues in your life, but how many of you know we serve a God who specializes in deliverance, amen? He specializes in setting the captives free. Glory to God. And that's why he said, take away the stone. You see, the Lord is speaking to some of you today. There's, there's stones. There's things that you've hidden, things that you refuse to deal with. And the Lord said, it's time because you cannot come into the promised land until you're willing to let go of those things that hold you to the past. And so Jesus said, take away the stone. She said, Lord, there's a stench. And Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone and the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Oh, praise God. We serve a God who hears us. We serve a God who hears us. Jesus, we serve a, we may have a government that doesn't hear us. But we serve a God who hears us. Glory to Jesus. Sometimes you just got to go over somebody's head. Hallelujah. We serve a God who hears us. And Jesus said, I know you've heard me. And then he goes on and he says, 
And I know that you always hear me, but because the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, Jesus. Lazarus, come forth. And you can put your name in there. Mary, come forth. Michael, come forth. Johnny, come forth. In Jesus' mighty name. You see, God wants us to come out of those things, those areas of bondage, those areas of hurt, those areas of pain. You know, some of you feel that your life is somehow defined by some area where you have failed. No, it's not. Hallelujah, the Bible I read says, behold, I make all things new. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, none of us are perfect. We have all failed and fallen short of God's glory, but that is the good news of the gospel. You may have been a, a, a drug addict, you may have been a pusher, you may have been a criminal, you may have been involved in all sorts of things, but the Bible says, come to me, hallelujah. Behold, I make all things new. Give a shout of praise to the Lord if you believe that, that he's made things new in your life. Lazarus came forth. And he who had died came forth bound hand uh, and foot with the grave clothes and his face was wrapped to the cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Because you see, when the Lord delivers you, he doesn't deliver you partially. He delivers you completely. And that's what the Lord wants to do in your life today. There's some of you, and it's like you've had a partial deliverance, but God wants to tear off those grave clothes of your past life, those grave clothes of those old habits and those old lifestyles and those old ways of thinking and responding and seeing the world. God wants you to open your eyes and see things from his perspective. Glory to God. It is well because he sits on the throne and he knows your name and he purchased your soul and blood. Could you give a shout of praise today? Praise you, Jesus. Come on, Daddy. There you go. Thank you. She's wonderful. You see, in this season, Christ is calling all of us out of our hiding places. It's time to live big and bold for him. Because let me say this, some of you who have wasted too much time already, you know, crying over the ashes of your life. You know what? It's time for God to give you beauty for your ashes. And that's what he said, I will give you beauty for ashes. It's time to arise and shine. Amen. It's time to be courageous. You know, John 8, 36, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Do you know that we serve a savior who longs to set the captives free? And if we want to serve his eternal purposes, we will need courage because at times God will cause us, you know, he will call us to do things. He will direct us to do things that will challenge us to the core of our being. Amen. God will take you out of your depth. You know, Matthew 4.19, he said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Well, you know, to be a fisherman, you have to go out of your depth. You have to be willing to leave the harbor. Amen. And so too, God wants to bring us out of our depth. He wants to take us outside our comfort zone. Maybe he's going to speak to you to tell you to share your faith with somebody to ask them about eternity, to ask them if they know where they're going to spend eternity. You know, God wants you to open your mouth. Matthew 14, 27 in the Amplified, but instantly he spoke to them saying, take courage, I am. Stop being afraid. You see, fear has no place in your heart. We're called to be courageous. We are a blood-bought church of God, and we're not going out with a whimper. We're going out with a shout. How many of you believe that? People saying, oh, it's, it's, it, this is it, it's all over. No, it's not. 
There's too many lost people in this world. This is not how it ends. We're going to see a glorious revival. We're going to see multitudes of men and women coming to Jesus, being born again. Glory to God, I believe that. Amen. We have to press in and contend for that. Genesis 25, 8, then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. The new living. And he died at a ripe old age, having lived a long and satisfying life. Job 42, 17. And so Job died, an old man and full of years. The new living. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. How many of you want to die that way? I'm not saying today, but I'm just simply saying, being able to die, knowing you've lived a, a full life, Knowing that you've answered the call of God. You know, a life that you can look back on, a life well lived, full of mighty victories and great memories, as opposed to passing with a sigh. You know, dying with a belly full of, I wish I had, I should have, I could have, I might have, but I didn't. That is not the way to go. We want to, we want to do everything God has called us to do. And that's why Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And this is the problem. So many of us resist the gentle promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And therefore, we forfeit the benefit of taking God-ordained steps. But not Joshua. He diligently sought the face of God during the days of Moses. One of my favorite verses is Exodus 33 and verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. But you know, the other half of that verse says, he would return to the camp. But his servant, Joshua the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. You know why he stayed there when even Moses left? He was hungry. He was hungry for God's presence. That's why David said, I'd rather be a housekeeper, a, a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of wickedness. You know, what David was saying is, uh, you know, I'd prefer, you know, to, to, to live as a servant than reign as a king. I would prefer to live as a servant where you are than reign as a king where you're not. And I believe Joshua had that heart. He was hungry. You know, Joshua 3, 1, 6, 12, 7, 16, 8, 10, all said, Joshua rose early. Amen? Hallelujah. And you know, some of us need to develop that habit in our lives again after the last year. Okay? But you know what? This is the thing. Many leaders rise because they're busy, but not near as many rise because they're hungry. We need to rise not because we have a list of boxes to tick. We need to rise because we're hungry for his presence, because we want to see, seek his face. And that's why I said, you know, that many ri leaders rise because they're busy, but it doesn't stop them from making mistakes. But Joshua arose because he was hungry. He allowed God to lead him, and so he steps into the unknown. He steps out of the known into the unknown. His first test came at Jericho. You know, the children of Israel obeyed God's directions, even though they didn't make sense. How many of you know sometimes God tells you to do things that don't make sense? Amen. You know, I, I have to ask myself, were the children of Israel subjected to mockery and derision by the men on the walls of Jericho as they blew their trumpets and marched around the city day after day? Probably, but they were obedient to do what God told them to do. And when the time came, they gave a shout and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Uh, Joshua chapter 6, 
and verse 16. And it says, and the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets. And Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpets and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls fell down flat. Then the people went into the city, every man straight before them and they took the city. You see, it takes courage to obey God, particularly when you look ridiculous uh, doing it. Okay, but unless you're willing to do the ridiculous, you'll never experience the miraculous. And that explains why so many believers never experience the miraculous. You're unwilling to do something that looks ridiculous. And, and we have to overcome our fear of what people will think. Because let me say this, you can look ridiculous to your friends when you could sleep around like everybody else, but you don't do it simply because you fear God. When you're not out partying or drinking or taking drugs, it's because you want to live for Christ. You know, you can look utterly ridiculous in a narcissistic, materialistic world like ours when the first thing you do every month is tithe and offer. You know, when the first thing you do after a lockdown, instead of going out and getting locked, is go to church to worship. You know, when you say, by his stripes, I was healed, even while you have symptoms in your body. Yeah, you can look ridiculous when you put God's word into practice, but this is what we're called to do. You know what? We are a peculiar people. First Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priest of the holy nation, a peculiar people. <laughs> you, people will look at you like you're peculiar sometimes that you should show forth the praises of him who calls you out of darkness and into his uh, marvelous light. You see, we're chosen by him. And so what if at times we look ridiculous to people, we're called to stand out, not fit in. How many of you know that? We're not called to fit into this world. You know, many Christians have a bottle of beer in their hands simply because they want to fit in. <laughs> Live for Jesus. Live for him. We're a peculiar people. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece. How many of you know, one thing you know about a masterpiece is it's one-off. It's not mass-produced. So too, you know what? We were never meant to be like them anyway. We're called to be different. Dare to be different. You know, the first thing I had to learn to do, you know, when God called me, was to overcome the fear of what people might think. You know, Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 8 says, Do not be afraid of their faces, for I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Verse 17, and it says, Therefore prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. When I went out preaching on the street, I had to overcome the fear of what people would think because people would look at you, they would laugh at you, some people would look at you with pity, like you'd lost your mind. Others would look at you so bewildered. Uh, like I said, I remember the time I was preaching on the street and a guy from work came and his mouth was just open. The whole time he was walking past me in Grafton Street, his mouth was just open. He never spoke to me again. He, it, when, I, when I saw him at work, he looked terrified of me. <laughs> I guess it was his first time seeing an engineer on the street preaching. <laughs> you know, left brain, right brain, I don't know. But anyway, I would never have answered the call of God in my life unless I was set free from the fear of what people might think of me. Amen? 
You know, I had a lecture uh, mocked me in college nearly 30 years ago because I used to read my Bible on my break. And he said, you know, you should start a church. And he started rowing out. He thought it was hilarious. He didn't realize God was speaking through him. God was prophesying right there. God spoke through a donkey. He can speak through a lecturer. And you know what about... I guess that was 92, 93. About 13, 14 years later, within 500 meters of that classroom, I started All Nations Church. Hallelujah, come on. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) You know, when you lose the fear of what people think about you, you can actually begin to enjoy your life. Amen? You know, like I said, that lecturer was laughing. He's not laughing now. My work colleagues couldn't comprehend why I was on the street preaching on a Saturday. And you better know that people thought I'd completely lost it when we signed a lease for a stadium. (laughs) You're not in America, Pastor John. Who do you think you are? I know exactly who I am. And I know what I'm called to do. And you need to know who you are as well in Jesus' name. You know, the devil, the first thing he came to the sons of Sceva, he wanted to know, do these guys know who they are? He said, "Uh, Jesus I know by experience, Paul I know by reputation, but who are you? And they said, blah, 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 blah. And they got beaten up, amen? You need to know who you are, amen? I know who I am, I know what I'm called to do, and we're gonna get there in the name of Jesus. Glory to God, the churches are open, we're able to preach again, come on. Hallelujah. The doors are open now. All we got to do is see God fill this place in Jesus' name. (laughs) Don't judge a man when you haven't seen what he has seen and you haven't heard what he has heard. And the same goes for a woman. Just because you haven't seen what they've seen, just because you haven't heard what they've heard. You know, Elijah, Elijah said uh, to, to Ahab, go down quickly before the rain stops you because I've heard the sound of an abundance of rain. It hadn't rained for over three years in that nation, but he said, I hear it. There was no evidence of it. He sent his servant the first time, nothing comes back. He says, go again, comes back again, nothing. He says, go again. Hallelujah. Some of you need to have that kind of persistence. The servant, he sends him again. Third time comes back, says nothing. You know, at this stage, he's kind of thinking maybe Elijah, the heat's after getting to him or something like that. And Elijah says, go again. He said, I've heard the sound of an abundance of rain. How many of you know at the seventh time he comes back? Yeah, there's something, but it's, it's tiny. It's small. The Bible says, despise not the day of small beginnings. Hallelujah. God can do big things with small things that are submitted to him. Hallelujah. And that's why the huge rain came. You see, Elijah heard it before anybody else did. And I say this over Ireland today. I proclaim it. I prophesy. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I hear it. I hear it in the name of Jesus. We're going to see revival. The devil can't stop it because he can't stop Jesus. And Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe that in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Do you believe that God brought some of you thousands of miles from across the world? He brought you here because he wants to do something special. Glory to Jesus. I remember when I was in Texas, I used to get some of that lovely Cajun food and it was a mixture of all of these various spices and, you know, there used to be a Cajun restaurant, Tantazoi's, in, uh, you know, in Dublin city center. We used to go there 20 years ago, John and myself, when I was trying to uh, pursue 
my prayer. And uh, <laughs> God, I had to persist with her. But you know what, we got there. We got there, but you know what? It was beautiful because it was spicy. It was all these mixtures. Well, you know, God brought, yeah, anybody here today from Africa? One person. Okay. Anybody here from Africa? Yeah. Hey, Amen. Come on. Anybody here from Brazil? Yeah. Uh, anybody here from Romania? Yeah. How about Poland? Yeah. Hallelujah. Anybody here from somewhere else? <laughs> How about the Philippines? Any Filipinos in here? See, you're too polite to shout, but that's okay. Hallelujah. But you know what? It's beautiful. God brings us together because he has a purpose, and he's going to do something special. Hallelujah. I believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. So anyway, I've gone way off point, but anyway, we didn't move here because of where we were. We moved in here because of where we're going. Hallelujah. We put the devil... We, you know, this was intentional. We moved in here because we were believing to reach thousands of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're gonna see this nation come to him. But you know, you have to have courage. Do you know a simple formula for success in life? Do whatever he tells you. You know, John chapter two, verse five, his mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And this is what Joshua did at Jericho. You know, I studied engineering for three years. Walls don't fall because you shout at them. You, you go home and practice tonight. I assure you, it's not going to happen. All right? Axe heads don't float. Seas don't split. And the sun doesn't stop in the sky just because it doesn't suit you. But God, we serve a God who can do impossible things. God looks at impossible and laughs. Remember, he spoke this world into existence. He didn't try and physically do, it says, God said, let there be light. And you know what, God can say something and suddenly will manifest in your life if you will only believe him. You see, we have to be strong. We have to trust God and we have to be courageous. We have to live like God answers prayer. I want to live like God is real. I want my life to proclaim to the world that we serve a living God. That we serve a God of miracles. You know, Joshua chapter 6, God tells, he gives the directions to Joshua, go walk around the wall six days. But you know, it's interesting, verse 10 says this, seven days. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people. Hallelujah, I missed myself. Joshua 6 and verse 10. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. And this is, I believe, something absolutely vital. Most people miss this. They miss the directions Joshua gave regarding the people not speaking a world while they were marching around the walls of Jericho. Why? He was a realist. What he did was stop them from giving expression to unbelief and doubt and fear and negativity. I mean, you can imagine them walking around Jericho in the heat of the day with those huge walls as they're blowing the trumpets. 
You know, and, and you know, as they're blowing the trumpets, one guy turns to the other and says, so why are we blowing trumpets and not building siege walls? Because that's kind of how you do it. But they're walking around in circles. They look ridiculous. And you know, maybe after two or three days, another guy turns to another guy and says, you know what, I think the heat's after getting to Joshua. I think the pressure's after uh, getting to him, you know, trying to replace Moses. This is insane. I mean, what are we accomplishing? What army does this? You know, can you hear the taunts of the people from the wall looking down on them saying, are you lost, boys? Do you need a map? Have, have, you, have you lost your courage? Are you afraid to fight? So Joshua commands them not to speak a word. Sometimes the best thing you can do is say nothing because you can literally talk yourself out of a miracle. When you get discouraged, the best thing you can do, shut your mouth, go to bed, get some sleep. Because we see here the 10 spies brought a negative report and the men of Israel lost their heart. Numbers 13. And verse, Numbers 13 and verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw there are men of great stature. There we saw the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our sight. So were we in their sight. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the, in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to die by the sword that our wives and their children should become victims? Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. They, they lost courage. How many of you know discouragement means discourage? You no longer have courage. And that's what the devil does. That's why he brings discouragement. He wants to stop you from entering into your promise. And these people became so discouraged that they were on the brink of, of taking the land, of stepping into the promises. But because of discouragement, when they're on the very edge of the promised land, the very edge of their destiny, they said, you know what? Let's go back into slavery. Let's go back to Egypt. And that's why it's so important that we don't give in to discouragement. That's why it's so important that we choose courage because courage is a choice not a feeling not an emotion you can choose courage you can choose to live brave you can choose to believe God in spite of what you see or feel or hear I believe God it shall be even as it was told me Paul said that in the middle of a storm I believe God can somebody say today I believe God in Jesus name my dreams will live God's purposes will come to pass my destiny will come to pass in the name of Jesus because I believe God, hallelujah, and when you believe God, all of heaven is mobilized on your behalf. And when you step into unbelief and discouragement, all of hell mobilizes because they take comfort and they say, you know what, hallelujah, let, let, let's, let's push in here because we're, we're taking ground. So they lost courage because they were listening to the wrong voices. That's why we need discernment. Hallelujah, praise you Jesus. 
You know, I could honestly preach for another hour and I probably wouldn't finish this message. So, you know, we're probably going to do this for three or four weeks. But I'd like you to stand to your feet today. I know God has been speaking to many of you today as you've been listening. Speaking to you maybe about, you know, dreams that have been in your heart or maybe areas where you were hurt and you've given in to despair or fear or negativity or maybe some of you have been listening to the enemy's report about your life. But it's so important for us to listen to God. It's so important for us. My sheep hear my voice, the voice of another they will not follow. So you know what? I believe God is speaking to many of you today. He is stirring your hearts because he wants you to believe him. That's all he wants you to do. He just wants you to believe him. He just wants you to trust him. He just wants you to surrender to him. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, there is a rest of faith. You see, sometimes we become agitated because we're trying to cause things to come to pass in our strength. God says, no, come to me and enter that place of rest. And just like Abraham, simply believe. Choose courage. It takes courage to stand in the storm. It takes courage to, after having done all to stand, stand there for. I know some of you maybe have family members, they're far from God or they're addicted or they're broken or, and it seems like nothing is ever going to change. But you know what? The Bible says after having done all to stand, you have to take courage and stand. You have to take courage and say, you know what? I believe God. I believe God, it shall be even as it was told me. Even as it was told me in his word. I know the doctor says I've only, you know, three months to live, but I believe God. I believe his word that says by his stripes I was healed. I know my life looks like a mess right now, but I believe, Lord God, that you are working. That you are working in us both to will and to do according to your good pleasure. Lord, I know. I know it's going to come to pass. I know that you're going to bring that change. I trust you. I believe you. And so today, I just want to do two things. Firstly, I want to pray with those who don't know the Lord. You know, last night, I was just so blessed as I was reading. Like I said about, you know, George Whitfield, the man who went over and shook America and shook Great Britain and, and preached with the power of God and John Wesley. And these men were like lost little sheep trying to figure out how to connect with God. And I said, Lord, I'm so blessed to know how to be saved. And so I want to give you the opportunity today, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, if you've, I'm not asking, were you baptized? Baptism doesn't save you. You must be born again, Jesus said. How much do you, how do you do that? The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can pray a simple prayer today and everything will change in your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed for one moment, I want to ask you this. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you have that hope? Do you have that assurance that heaven is your home and that Jesus is your Lord? I'm not asking you a good person or do you pray. I'm asking, do you know Jesus? If you don't, I want you to put your hand up high today and we're going to pray for you. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You can receive that gift right now by simply praying that prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord. So put your hand up high today if you're ready to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there anybody today 
You want to surrender your life to Jesus? Amen. I see that hand. God bless you. Is there anybody else today? Put your hand up high. Don't be ashamed. The Lord's going to do a miracle in your heart if you will simply respond. But you have to respond. You have to say yes. Because God is a gentleman. He will never push anything on anyone. But if you're ready for a change, if you're ready to receive Christ into your heart, put your hand up high. And I'm going to pray with you today as well. Praise you, Jesus. Listen, don't let fear... I know there's other people, you, know, you, you want to respond, but you, fear is stopping you. Don't do that. Jesus wasn't afraid to hang naked on a cross on your behalf. He loves you. Nobody loves you like Jesus. So before we pray, I want to give you the opportunity. Put your hand up high if you want to say yes to Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Well, could you stretch your hands towards this lady? And I want you to pray this simple prayer with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart that you were born of a virgin, that you lived a perfect life, and that when you died on the cross, you died in my place, bearing my sin and shame. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus Christ, and forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Give a shout of praise to the Lord. Bless you. Bless you. In Jesus' name. Praise you, Father. Now I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. I believe it's time for some dreams to live. God said to Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? You see, we serve a God who can bring death, who can bring life where there is death. We serve a God who can turn things around when it seems impossible. The cross looked like it was all over, but it was only beginning. And so too, for some of you, you may feel that, that God is finished with you or that you have failed, that you're beyond being helped. No, hallelujah, the Lord is going to do something miraculous in your life. Just lift your hands and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for the blood that you shed, that you took my place, that you bore my shame. And I thank you, Lord. I lift my life before you. Heal what is broken. Lift the burdens. Break the chains. Open my eyes that I may see. Open my ears that I may hear. I say yes. I say yes to you, Lord. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, give a shout of praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hope to see you all next week. God bless you.